This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Because if you can tell me what your habits are, I can tell you what sort of a person you are. I can tell you what your future looks like. But like I always say, life is 10% what happens to you. It's 90% what you do about it. The people who are most effective in the workplace believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past. When people don't believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past, they begin to disengage. You're listening to The Circuit of Success, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve success in every facet of life, only on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Now, your host, Brett Gilliland. Welcome to The Circuit of Success. I am your host, Brett Gilliland, and today I've got Courtney Berg with me. Courtney, how you doing? Great. Awesome. Well, it's good to have you. We also have a very important person in the room with us. VIP. VIP. Jill Coates is in the house. She is the uh, treasurer, is that correct? Treasurer of Girls on the Run. You are the executive director of Girls on the Run St. Louis, which is an organization that empowers girls for a lifetime of healthy living. I'll let you tell the story more, but I always like to start the shows with what made you the person you are today. Obviously, you don't just wake up, become the executive (laughs) director of Girls on the Run. So I'd love to hear a little bit of backstory about you. Sure. I'm from Michigan originally. I grew up in a very, very rural town and took my first step. So I learned to walk on a dock on a lake, which I think was sort of looking back, probably like the best scenario for me. So my family was very much, you, you needed to learn to swim before you could walk because one safety, but that was just what we did. Spent a lot of time on the water, spent a lot of time enjoying what was right in front of us. And so I think having that very, now I understand a very like simple upbringing, a very accessible one in terms of like as a kid was just huge for me because I just learned to appreciate. I mean, I look back and there were things that we probably didn't have a lot of access to growing up and I had no idea. I had no idea of that. But again, now I'm, I'm just so grateful for that just very focused, very intentional life that we had. And fast forward, I think a lot of things that I do now, Girls in the Run, are like all of us just shaped by those experiences. Absolutely. Yes. You know, people always ask, you know, did you grow up running? Did you grow up? I was your band geek. I was, <laughs> I was on the swim team, but I was not. I mean, I always say I was your B-heat swimmer. Wasn't going to lose a race. Definitely wasn't going to win it. I was your solid, get a few points in there, but I was You weren't going to quit. I wasn't going to quit, and I loved a team. You know, swimming is a very, very individualized sport. You get in, you follow that black line, and you are in your head. And there's some amazing things that I learned because of swimming. You know, you I always say swimming is 70% mental. Oh, yeah. And that's, again, taught me so much that I use in my life, and I, and I hope that I'm, you know, pushing out into the world. And- I just, I loved being on a team. I loved getting to like hype up my teammates. I loved getting to just be part of something that was like bigger than me. And I ended up going to the University of Michigan for school, which was go blue. Go big blue. Uh, (laughs) Which was amazing. I also was in the marching band, which is why I played the piccolo, which is why I have the incredible biceps I have now. (laughs) But that was incredible because what it did is it forced me to honestly get out of my comfort zone because yes, I'd been in marching band. This was a different game. (laughs) These were kids who, you know, if you said, I was drummer of my high school band, so was everybody else. And they were probably first chair state and they were, you know, these were all the big fish from their pond. Yeah, you're right. Which 
and I say that not in a negative way. I say that in, that was one of like uh, uh, my first experiences of just being really humble. Like it, you got to know who you are because it's not about jockeying for somebody else. Right. It was an incredibly competitive environment and one of the most encouraging ones I've ever been in. And I was, you know, I, I really am grateful for my parents because they kept pushing, you know, at the time, Michigan was one of those places where everybody starts pre-med, you know, okay, yeah, everybody yeah. starts pre-med. And then by like, you know, the end of like their second year, like they're, they're now going into accounting or they're going to, yeah. you know, I came in and again, you know, my parents were very much you need just a good liberal arts education. Now, again, like your 17, 18 year old self is like, I have no idea what that means. You're right. That means nothing to me. And what I learned was just go experience things. So, I mean, I soaked that up. I soaked up experiences of, you know, I took biology and Spanish. I studied abroad in a graduate program for, you know, a period of time in Spain. I taught in a bilingual school in Detroit. I, and, and, you know, as time went on, you know, you start to have to declare a major and I just have been taking all these really <laughs> wonderful courses and, and learning and, you know, said, wow, you know, I think it's sociology and Spanish. Okay, here I go. And, and again, I look back and I'm like, I just was constantly putting myself in places where I got to learn and I got to meet people who were very different than myself, yep. who had very different life experiences. And that I, I cannot say enough was probably the biggest catalyst for me in, in just kind of feeling this like, okay, I know, I know I want to do something that's so much bigger than me. So I, I ended up joining um, Teach for America out of undergraduate, which is a national program where you commit two years to teaching in an under-resourced area. And I ended up teaching in East San Jose, California, so Northern California, kind of the Bay Area. I taught at the largest high school west of the Mississippi. We wow. had over 4,500 kids who were from, at that time, about 30-some different countries. Like, they themselves were first first-generation immigrants. And I taught what was called self-contained, special day class, self-contained high school. So these were kiddos who had a range of learning differences, maybe were on the autism spectrum, had just a, a range of of challenges that that meant they couldn't go into their mainstream classroom. And, you know, my first year, like I think most first-year teachers, you just are sort of like humbled by the hour. Yeah. <laughs> and, but I, I got together with some other teachers and we kind of said, we, we could do better. We could do so much better for our kids. And we developed and proposed to the school at the time this, what we called the special day class family. So this idea of creating a smaller environment, which, you know, if you think about it, we all want, like we can be in a big pond, but, but we really need connections. You know, kind of what I felt at Michigan, like I was in this huge pond and it was great, but you know, you need, you need a sense of, who, who am I? So I can kind of, you know, scaffold off of that. So we created this freshman family program and it was incredible. It was incredible. My first year we mainstreamed at the end, two students into like an academic mainstream classroom. The end of our first year, we mainstreamed 25 kiddos. They were ready. They were ready to go rock that. And again, kind of like swimming <laughs> high school. And I think school in general, and I'll probably get some grief for this is 70% organization, right? It really is. It's, and, and I was just say, showing up, you're just showing up and you know, it's hard. You know, if you have a kiddo with a processing difference, you know, the idea of going to one class where you're like, okay, in, in this class, I can just go to the bathroom. I don't have to ask. And I put my name on the paper here, but in that class, I have to follow these 10 steps to do. You're so caught up in doing that. 
all the great yeah. learning and synthesis is gone. So if we were like, what if we like move those barriers and did that? So most of your background really has been in the charitable, I mean, since college, right? <laughs> I mean, in, in really, right? It is. And, and so I ended up coming to St. Louis for graduate school at the Brown School, had an incredible opportunity to, to come to the Brown School, was so excited, honestly, had no idea what I was getting into. I had been teaching for several years at that point and thought, am I ready to write graduate level <laughs> things? Am I ready to do this? But I was so excited about this. I wanted to, I kept thinking about my kids that I was teaching and I was getting them when they were, you know, maybe 14, 15 years old and so many other things around them had not been addressed and in yeah. place. And so I thought, well, what if we did more? So that was really sort of what um, I focused on in graduate school. And I was so ready to like, I had a job, I was heading back to the Bay Area. And then I was offered a position in St. Louis and South City, um, running youth programs that didn't exist for less than I made my first year of teaching. And I said, I'll take that job. Yeah. I'll do it because, you know, it, it was a privilege that I was like, I think I can do that like financially. And but can I interrupt real quick on that? Well, I yeah. think what I find amazing is so you went to Michigan. Yeah. The Brown School, you didn't mention, is at WashU, yes. right? Washington University. So you went to literally two of, I'm going to make this number up. So those <laughs> universities out there, I'm saying a top 10, top 20, whatever they are, programs in the country. But yet some would say you did the social work thing. I would say you're following your passion. Is that a fair statement? Oh, I mean, you got I mean, unbelievable education. I did. And you're following these things to where your point is, is that the, the pay was less than your first year of college. It was. It was. But again, like to your point, I, it was a huge privilege to have access to yeah. all of that. And so, you know, what am I going to do with it? Right. Like, what am I going to do with that? It's sort of, you know, if you have something really amazing, look at it. That's beautiful. But like, you got to go do something with it. So that's that's been the awesome is I, I keep getting to do things. But my first year of graduate school in orientation, there was this email that went out and it was like, do you want to go to this information session about a girl's running program? And I was like, oh, I'll, I'll learn something. And going from teaching and, and advising clubs and working nonstop, I was like, well, I'm in school full time. I'm going to have uh, an internship and work. What am I going to do with all my free time? Like I had this yeah, sort of idea. Yeah. So I went to this info session. Little did I know it was a coach training session for Girls on the Run. And I ended up coaching in South City for a team at St. Gabriel. And those girls blew me away. Blew me away. The curriculum was just incredible. And these girls, these third, fourth, fifth grade girls, the conversations, I mean, but I would, I would come away from those practices and just be like, these, these girls are brilliant. You know, the things that we would talk about and, and they would ask. And, and then the whole time we're getting ready for this 5k, you know, 3.1 miles. And I remember there were moments where I was like, are we really going to do this? Are we really? <laughs> and I, that, that experience of coaching girls on the run changed what I was doing at the Brown school, what I wanted to focus on. Mm. It, it, I kind of flipped it on its head. That's amazing. So let's talk about Girls on the yeah. Run, obviously, because some people listen to this may not know what Girls on the Run is, but I know it's an organization that we said earlier empowers girls for a lifetime of healthy living. It's in 23 counties in Missouri and Illinois, and it's recognized as one of the top research-based programs in Harvard University's Social Emotional Learning Guide. That's a big deal. I, we're excited about that. That's a real big <laughs> deal. So so what is uh, Girls on the Run? Right. Tell us about so that. Girls on the Run, really, what it's about is making sure f girls are strong, confident leaders, right? That's really what we're all about. Yeah. How it happens is, is what I say is the really cool stuff. So we make sure that we use this evidence-based curriculum that's, that's 
based in adolescent brain development, which if you told a girl that she'd be like, no, I don't want to do that. We don't really talk about that. But it's this incredible curriculum that's delivered by our trained coaches consistently. We use running just as a vehicle. So we're, we're not a track program. We're not, um, you know, we're, we're what you would call a mastery climate. So, you know, performance environment is, you know, say that that swim team, you need to make a certain time and, and there's a place for that. But a mastery climate, you're looking at girls mastering skills or mastering yeah. things that are very individual to them while in a group. And so we do this over a period of eight weeks and the growth is just incredible. That's awesome. So what's the mission of the firm? I mean, obviously every organization has a mission right. and, and, you know, our mission of our firm, Visionary Wealth Advisors, is to help people achieve a future greater than their past. So we get to show up every day and help people do that, right? So nice. what's the mission of Girls on the Run? So the mission of Girls on the Run is to ensure girls are joyful, healthy, and confident using this experience-based curriculum that creatively integrates running. So why do we want joyful, healthy, confident girls? Well, you know, it's based on research. I mean, I'm sure you're like me. I like data. So if you talk to your average third, fourth, fifth grade girl, so like 10-year-old girl, if you talk to her right now, you know, studies, most ages say between 70, 75% of girls that age would say, oh, I like myself. I, I'm, I like who I am. Yeah. I feel good about myself. You talk to that same girl. She's 16. That number's flipped on its head. Ugh. And right. Same. And I'm seeing same more and more of it right, right in today's world. And that's, that's a problem. And it's a problem for you and me because when we kind of fast forward to what is the world, you know, like let's pull back and go kind of macro here. What mm-hmm. is the world we want? Well, I want a world that has strong leaders. I want a world that is um, supportive of communities. I want a world that is 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 better than now. Yep. Okay, well, what we know through data is we need women in leadership. We need to address the gender pay gap. Okay, these are these big things. Well, how do we get to that? We have strong girls. Yeah. And so this curriculum, this program here locally, and we work with the Prevention Research Center at WashU to do these studies. 97% of girls have significant growth in their self-esteem after just one season, eight weeks of doing Girls on the Run. Wow. I mean, that's incredible. That's, yeah, that's, that's massive. And when we look at five years down the road, so again, now when she's in that high school, kind of tricky adolescent, when we put her next to that non-participatory peer, so same in community, but a girl who didn't do Girls on the Run, she is still outperforming her non-participatory peer in those areas of self-esteem, body size satisfaction, and commitment to physical activity. Again, not so much as a performance, but as that protective, that pro-social. These are the girls we need. Yeah. So, and 97% is massive, right? I mean, that is a oh big, gosh. big number. And so so how does somebody do that? I mean, if I say, wow, okay, yeah, I, I have four boys, so I don't, I don't have a, a, maybe you need boys on the run too, right? I'm a boy mom too. Hey, I'm there a boy you mom. go. And these, I always say, these are the girls I want them absolutely this is That's exactly what i was thinking yeah yeah so this so girls that run so how does somebody get involved in that if they say hey i would love for my daughter to be involved in that what do they do sure so to your point we have teams in 23 counties in missouri and illinois so at this point we have over 400 partnerships typically with schools but sometimes with maybe a boys and girls club or a ymca we might already have a team there so we have that information on our website go to our locations but if you're not sure, that's what we want to provide. We want to start that site. We want to start that team. We want to answer your questions about what is it. Yep. You know, if, if you're like, oh, my girl's not really a runner. Great. Girls on the run is for matter. her. Yeah. You know, oh, she loves you. Great. Girls on the run is for her. 
right? So we have teams for third through fifth, and then we also have sixth through eighth for okay. that middle school too. We have those teams going as well. So we want to make sure that these teams are accessible for any girl. Okay. So, so basically I'm just going to pick on the school my kids go to. <laughs> yeah. So Holy Trinity Catholic school here in, in uh, the O'Fallon Fairview Heights area, we bring it to them, right? Let's say they don't have, I don't know if they do or don't, I don't think they do, but so let's say they don't have that. Somebody reaches out to you and your team, your team gets involved with Holy Trinity and then you create this program, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. And, and so what's the cost to the school? No cost to the school, none. The what what is so neat too about this is you know once a school decides, yeah, no, we want to we want to host this program, we're going to take care of everything. We're going to provide all the supplies. We're going to provide money for the snacks. We're going to provide shoes if she needs it. We're going to provide <laughs> everything. There's nothing else. There is a fee for a girl to participate, but the way we determine that, we actually use a regression model to determine fees. So we take some economic data points because, again, to your point. Holy Trinity is different than the school, even maybe like 10 miles down the road. Right. So we're going to look very specifically at that school. We're going to put all this, all these data points through a regression model. And we're going to come up with a recommended fee. So it's scaled. Right. Okay. And we're going to come back to you and say, does that make sense? Do you feel like that's accessible in your community? Then on top of that, we're going to say, but even if we say that's the fee, we're also going to provide payment plans. We're also going to provide scholarship on top of that. Because if we know, to your point, if we know 97%, yeah. that's where we're going, then let's remove all the barriers. Let's get rid of all, you know, let's move the logs out of the way. So and I'm assuming the fee's not that crazy big anyway. No, I mean, the fees range anywhere from, I mean, a full fee is $175 and that's, you know, two practices a week, the 5K, all the supplies, everything. There's yeah. nothing else that she's going to, you know, need to pay for, t-shirt, all that kind of fun stuff. Um, all the way down to $25. Wow. Now we can also then scholarship down, you know, this season we made the decision because of what we were seeing, the data we looked at of how the pandemic was affecting the communities we serve. We made the courageous decision to provide scholarship to hundred percent of our wow. team. So, and in this spring we thought, okay, I think we're going to serve 500 girls. Well, <laughs> we just wrapped our spring season. We served almost 1100 girls and provided just shy of $110,000 in scholarship. So again, the idea is if, if we know this works for girls, like we're going to, we're going to be tenacious about right. this. We're going to do this. And to your point of once it's brought to Holy Trinity or whatever school, it stays because that's just, I mean, to your point, that's good relationship. Yeah. That's good relationship work. Well, it ripples in the water. I mean, I, yeah. I would assume that if I have, whether that's five or 10 or 20 girls running around in the third, fourth, fifth grade, they're 97% more confident, which then hopefully in seventh and eighth grade, they're more confident. When they're 16, they're more confident. And to your point, being a boy mom and, and I'm a, a dad, <laughs> uh, boy dad, that's what you want. And so I got to think this just the, the ripple effect is massive in our community. So, so what makes the St. Louis chapter so successful? I, I, I love that question because I think there's a number of reasons. Like, so we're this spring, we serve the most girls anywhere in North America. Wow. So there's just shy of 200 different councils. Bold statement in all of North America. <laughs> in all of North America, because now there's councils in Canada. And I think, you know, there's there's so many reasons, but I think the key, and this is what I think is so great about the St. Louis community, is people really see that great intersection of like, this is relevant, like the curriculum mm -hmm. and what it's about is relevant to the girls right here in front of me. And, oh my gosh, we need it. That urgency. And so, I, you know, people really 
come to Girls on the Run and and hold it close to them. It becomes part of Redbud, Illinois. It becomes part of Ferguson, Missouri. Like it's just, it's not us going there. This is this is part of them. So I think they're finding you. Exactly. And I think, you know, this is you know the social worker in me. You can't leverage a relationship until you have a relationship. Mm. So I'm not going to show up at Holy Trinity and say, you know what you need? You need yeah. girls on the run. Nobody needs to be told what they need. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> However, if we're doing our good job, we're going to listen, you know? And so when I, you know, I, I spoke to a principal in St. Charles County, Missouri, just yesterday. And, and he said, well, I, I, I know about girls on the run, but our school's totally different. Now, again, I could sit there and say, mm, we serve over 400. I'm sure it's not. No. What I said was, you're right. Tell me about your school. I want to hear, you're the expert. I want to hear about it. Um, I'd love to know what you think, you know, your girls need or what you see because that's relationship. Um, so to your question, I think what makes us so strong is again, that great intersection of like the relevancy and the urgency and, you know, St. Louis is just, it's a fantastic community. It's, it's, it's a small, big city. It's a small, big city. And, and I think what draws us all together is really, we just want to do better. We just want to do better for, for this. So, you know, when I think about like, you know, our 5k back in the before times was the largest 5k in Missouri, which is great. That's a great stat. Yes. Love saying that. But what that really says. Put that in perspective. How many people show up that day? uh, A little over 10,000. 10,000 people running. And and I know Jill Coates runs in it. Jill Coates, Jill Coates runs it as a sparkler. So she (laughs) is all decked out in the most like, wonderful, bright, hot pink. She's all over. It's like it, like it blew up all over the place. Right. And she is there to encourage every girl forward. Cause that's, that's the girls, you know, on the run motto, like forward is our pace. Forward is our pace. And we move forward together. I love that. Forward is our pace. Forward is our pace. That's, and and when you think about it, we really embraced that this year with the pandemic. Forward is our pace. We move forward together. But what I love about the 5k is yes, huge numbers, wonderful, but guess what? They're all showing up there because they want strong, confident girls, yep. you know, and, and for girls to see that, like, oh my gosh. And, and that's what the 5k is. It's every girl crosses the finish line. Some are dancing. Some are sprinting. Some, some are hurting. like, you know, ready to cross the finish line in one hour, 25 minutes sometimes, yeah. but they all cross it. And so what you get again, is that confidence through accomplishment, that resiliency, which hopefully we're building through some positive experiences. Usually resiliency comes through some kind of uh, adverse things. Yeah. Build that. And that's that muscle fiber. Love it. So last question on getting involved. So do you, do you target specific areas? Like is there certain schools you're going after or areas? Well, yes and no, I guess is the best answer. So we have those 23 counties. We want to bring it to everyone. So we use GIS mapping, if you can wow. believe that. Because what that tells us is it gives us a better picture of where our girls are and what's going on in their world. So what we do is we layer into that, not only, well, here's, you know, the O'Fallon community school district, here's all the schools. We're also going to layer in data around, obviously like this season, what are some economic challenges? Where are, you know, there are communities where we're looking at food deserts because that's also affecting our girls. We want to get the context because again, back to that point about relationship, we are entering into this to form a relationship. We're going to better do that. So we do look at what we call our go-to-verse. What, where could we bring girls on the run to anyone where any girl is at? And, you know, 
that's a huge, you know, oh my gosh, over 400 different schools. We're in 65 school districts. That sounds amazing. Guess what? We're only at about 25, a little over 25% market saturation. Wow. So, so lots of opportunity. Lots of opportunity. But again, we're not out there doing a hard sell because yeah. that's not what we're about. Well, either you want to be involved or you don't, right? We, we talked about this in the pandemic, which is where we'll lead to. And I love this. You said... We were talking about what the pandemic teach you and, and you and your husband, I think, said you either got, you're either going to freak out or figure it out. Yes. <laughs> That's great. I mean, I love that. And, and so talk about that. Freaking out or figuring it out. What did right. you guys do at Girls on the Run? <laughs> well, I'm assuming you didn't freak out. We didn't freak out. Well, you know, all of us had those moments of like, oh my God. A minor oh, freak out. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, and then that's... Hey, we got, I believe in the long arm of grace. So you yeah. got to give yourself like just a moment to kind of feel like, oh boy. But you know, when the pandemic hit, we were in the middle of a season serving about 35, 3,600 girls. And, you know, again, rewind, rewind. We had no idea, you know, the idea of zoom, the idea of like, all this was very like no idea. And, and I, and I look back and, you know, Jill can probably point to, there was a, a board meeting that we did over zoom and, and I remember presenting to the board. And saying, and this is once it already happened. Once right, the pandemic this was in happened. March, like mid-March okay. and saying, okay, you know, we're, we're on this lockdown, but I'm still looking at having that 5k in May and no. how that can happen. I look back and I'm like, Oh, Courtney, that was cute. Yeah, that, that was cute. But we were all that way, right? We were all that way. So there came a point where again, that freak out or figure out and it, it goes to this idea of, and this is maybe like the clinician in me, we all have this desire to control and that's okay. You know, you can't fight that, yeah. right? Like it's, it's a very natural desire. So to like recognize that, hold that and then go, what are the things I can't control? I mean, it's what we teach our girls. One of the lessons in Girls on the Run is, you know, to SBLR, stop, breathe, listen, respond. You mm. know, when you freak out, you're going, stop, respond. That could be a good one for respond. everybody, right? Not just people. I mean, <laughs> S-B-L-R. Yeah. Stop, so breathe, stop. listen. Just stop. Just stop what you're yeah. doing. Hold up. Breathe. Breathe. Just take a breath. You know, take a breath. Calm yourself down. Because you're probably holding it, <laughs> you mm -hmm. know? And then listen. Listen to what's going on. And this is part of what, you know, we teach the girls. Listen to that inner voice. Shh, silence everything around you listen, listen to yourself and then respond, then respond. Love that. So it was a lot of that. And so, and we tried to be really transparent at Girls on the Run of how we're going about this. So to say, okay, here's how we're going to approach the season. Here's how we want to do this. Here's why. But think of those things you're teaching these young ladies, right? Stop, breathe, listen, respond. Can't we all use that? I mean, right? I mean, it's like, my gosh, <laughs> so that's going to make them a better girlfriend, a better spouse, a better mom. I mean, all these things, and you're putting that in their brain because there's so much of it, and you would know this with your education more than I, but the things that we adapt or adopt, I'm sorry, when we adopt them at 8, 9, 10, stick with you forever well, versus trying to change somebody at 18 or 28 or 48, and, almost impossible. And that's that's a key thing that really drew me to Girls on the Run. So previous to Girls on the Run, I had, I was running an outreach center for immigrant refugee families, which I loved. And I did a lot of clinical work in Spanish. So yeah. I did therapy in Spanish primarily for Because you're bilingual. I'm bilingual. So for survivors of human trafficking. And that right there is intervention. You're meeting folks like, okay, I've, we need to address this right now. And so this idea of getting to do, I guess what you could consider prevention, right? So really meeting girls where they're at, 
on the front side of that. Because, you know, trauma work tells us, and trauma comes in a lot of, you know, big T is like a traumatic event. Little T is you're in a traumatic environment. You know, you're living with, you know, food scarcity. You're living in a very stressful, violent area. That's just traumatic over time. Well, what we know is what gets fired gets wired. Mm. What gets fired in your brain gets wired. And so when we think about adolescent brain, well, brain growth, you know, there's a key, huge brain development in that, you know, third, fifth grade time. So what if we start teaching them how to fire those positive self-talk, that ability to self-regulate, that ability to stand up for yourself? Okay, guess what? That gets wired. That gets wired. So the idea of being able to do that was, I mean, obviously for me personally, so exciting. But to your point, going out and seeing this happen at so many different communities, diverse communities, it's so, so awesome. That's amazing. I love that. What gets fired gets wired. And and, and yeah, absolutely. I mean, you think about that from so many things, from business to sports to anything, and it, it, it is. I mean, once you those neural pathways, once they're connected, they're connected for a long time. Right. And then it's just staying disciplined with it. It's not doing, you know, we joke around a lot around here and we say it's not brush your teeth, you know, 14 times on Sunday. <laughs> it's twice a day, right? You do it in the morning, you do it at night. You do it in the morning, you do it at night. And then that just becomes a habit. Right. Over time, it's not 21 days on Sunday and then you'll be fine and have great teeth. You won't. I, lo- I love that analogy. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, because it's true. Because mm-hmm. same thing, that, that self-talk. You can't just like, okay, on Sunday nights, I'm going to have positive self-talk. Check, I'm done. I did it. Right. Doesn't work. <laughs> it does not work. So talk to us for you as a leader, right? You're a leader of a, of a big organization, the largest 5K, all the great things that you've mentioned about Girls in the Run. But as a leader in this pandemic, what was the hardest part for you? The hardest part was making sure that I was always focused on my team and that we never lost sight of our girls. And so I say that was hard because it was also, well, that's what I do regardless. But what's hard about that is the, the context of that is changing. So, you know, little things like not being able to see my staff, my team, because I know there are things going on in their life. I know there are things doing that. Focusing on our girls, like we know, like our job, best job to deliver this really high quality program with fidelity. Well, then that gets taken away. How do I do that? How do I do that? So that was probably the very hardest is how can I ensure my team is okay? Because I always say my job is the easiest. My job's so easy. I have the smartest people on my team. I just, you know, drive two miles down the road, move the logs and let the really smart people do the work, right? Like, let's be honest there were more logs than I was anticipating. And so, you know, trying to make sure that we are always focused on our girls and what's going on in their world. And as we learned, you know, what was going on in the world was really overwhelming for them. I mean, think about us as adults and we, we have full cognitive development and all of this and and we were struggling. (laughs) We were, we were not thriving. And to think about, you know, these girls that were isolated, that were really having difficulties navigating this and and being put in, in, in positions where they're having to navigate things and they don't have that. It's just, it's developmentally inappropriate. So I think the biggest challenge was ensuring that we were delivering a program and delivering it with quality and fidelity. And part of that comes with being accessible. So you know, to my point of when we were like, okay, we, we, we adapted the curriculum, we can do it. 
How do we make it accessible? Part of it was looking at, okay, we can't have it at schools. Where do we go? But then that huge scholarship piece. You know, yeah, um, that's a game changer. It, it was. And, and uh, you know, I'm sure every, every person in any sort of leadership role can point to like a time where they were like, yeah, I was totally terrified when I made that decision. I knew it was the right decision, but right. man, I was yeah. terrified. Some sleepless nights. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, I said it was kind of building the ship as we were sailing. I mean, there was a part of me that was both like, I know, I know this is the right decision. I have zero hesitation and I'm also scared. Can I stop you right there? So yeah. I think that's a big deal because so many, what is it? Uh, paralysis by analysis. Oh yeah. Right. So you think about that. You said we're building the ship as we're sailing. We're and still a lot sailing. Of, <laughs> absolutely. And I think that's the key point, right? Is that you were still sailing. You're mm-hmm. still taking action. One of the, one of the circuits on the circuit of success is action. And I think that's what so many times if we get in our heads, our head tells us what? Mm-hmm. Well, this is a bad idea. This stat will tell me I'm going to fail. This, oh, you can't sail a boat without it being fully finished and all the things done, right? And, and you start coming up with all these reasons why you can't. But if you follow your heart, your purpose, your mission, whatever you want to call it, great things can happen, but you got to take action. I, that's, and I think this pandemic so reinforced that. And, and to be realistic, I, you know, I think our, what we're doing is incredibly important. I do. I do think it's critical. And I also have to check myself because I tend to take myself a little too serious <laughs> and go, you know what, Courtney, like you're, you're not doing surgery on a five-year-old. It's okay. Yeah. We're, we're going to figure this out. This is, and you do, you make the best decision with the information in front of you. And, and then you just do that the next day and you do that the next day. But yeah, I, I love what you're saying. It's, it's about moving forward. And then the second you stop doing that, nothing else is working. No, doesn't work. No. Doesn't work at all. Um, so talk to us about um, how companies, individuals, anybody that can help girls in the run. How do people get involved? There's so many different ways. So I think if you're hearing this and thinking, no, I, I'm, I'm ready for a girl in the run to be my next boss, my next CEO, yeah. well, then invest. I, you know, I can't think of a better like return on investment than to ensure that this is available and think about all the communities where this is to the most rural or urban centers, suburban everywhere. So for companies, there's opportunities to provide scholarship. We have uh, Missouri tax credits that allow individuals and companies to receive a 50% state tax credit. Oh. And all of that goes directly to underwriting these schools and programs. This coming fall, we already have, I mean, it's not even the end of June, we already have seven new schools in St. Louis Public Schools that are coming on. Because after this year, looking and going, oh my gosh, we need this. Well, right now what I'm doing is trying to make sure that, you know, we're going to say yes to them, to that building the ship and sailing. Yes, we're going to bring you on. And here I go, I'm going to figure out how we're going to get all the scholarship dollars to make sure that's possible. So any company or individual that says, I, I feel compelled to do that, we can direct 100% to scholarship to making sure that that's possible. But also folks that just feel like, you know, when you say, gosh, these are lessons that, you know, any of us can benefit from, that's the other secret of Girls on the Run that's not so secret, is mm-hmm. as a coach, you will walk away with these experiences too and these lessons. So anyone who thinks like, you know, I think I do have like one day a week or, you know, I, I could, I could be somewhere by four o'clock and, and coach. And I, I'm in, I'm in. <laughs> I can do this. Yeah. We would love to have you coach. Yeah. There's a, there's a team that needs you. 
So here's my question. And this is always really scary for me when I think of ideas while we're recording <laughs> and then I go public with them. Oh but I believe you got to go public, right? I put so that out there. I put that I out put there. That, I said, what, on a podcast? So <laughs> I look out my window over here. There's a track right over here. Uh-huh. So why would a company not get involved and say, hey, we want our clients' daughters to show up and we do a, what'd you say, six-week program? Eight weeks. Eight-week week. program. Yeah. Or this building says, hey, we're going to have anybody that's involved in this building, we're going to have a Girls on the Run eight-week program, and we're going to go right over there to that track, and we're going to run around and do whatever it is you guys do in your programs. I mean, is that an idea that that we need to be doing as companies? I love it. Yeah. And and we've seen that. So um, great example. I have no original ideas, by the way. So I'm sure you've done a thousand. You're like, yeah, Brett, you'd be the thousandth (laughs) company that did that. Thank you. This is, I don't have a lot of companies here in the St. Louis area, but I know like Garmin. Okay. Oh yeah. Garmin campus did that. And guess what? Here's the cool thing. What it then showed all of their employees was no, 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 no. We care about your family. We, this matters. I know you're interested in this. So if somebody's interested in hosting that at this lovely track over here, yeah, we'll start a site. We will start a site and it'll be a community site. Joe Coates, we're going to connect on that. <laughs> love it. I love it. So where do our listeners find more of you? Is there a website and obviously you on social media, yes. uh, Girls on the Run on social media? Where do we find you? So our website is girlsontherunstlewis.org. So girls on the run, St. Louis.org. And then we are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So at G O T R S T L. Got it. And then last question, I always like to put people on the spot. If I steal (laughs) your cell phone from you today and besides emails, cause that's boring. What's, what's the one app that you, you say, there's no way, Brett, you can't take this app off my phone. (laughs) What is it? Well, I, well, okay. So there's two. I'll, okay. I'll totally own and say there's two. So one is, um, it's not only an app, but, um, we do a lot of photo sharing because my husband and I have family all over okay. the country. So there's photos of a lot of, just a lot of cute kids and, <laughs> and things we're doing. Like, look, we went on this hike. Right. So, there, so there's like a lot of photo sharing. Okay. The other is. I'm a photo geek myself. I mean, you ask my friends, I'm always taking pictures. I, I mean, why not? Why not? Memories. It, exactly. And then you look back and, oh my gosh, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, it's wonderful. The other is, and this was something that happened in the pandemic, is probably the Peloton. Oh. And not because I'm amazing at it or anything, but because it's, um, I have degenerative discs and it has given me the opportunity to try different things that I didn't think was possible. Right. So like to challenge myself. And it's so positive and supportive. You know, I was really scared of this, um, the leaderboard idea. Because oh, again, yeah. I'm girls on the run. We don't do right. performance. We do mastery. Yeah. And it's such a mastery climate. I love yeah. it. So I encourage that type of environment for folks. So um, please don't take my Peloton out. No, that'd be, that'd be terrible. <laughs> I agree with you. And I know she agrees with you as well. We have a neighborhood Peloton challenge every now and then. We need oh, to get fun. back to that. We have a bunch of people with the Pelotons and, and so we've got the tread at home. I've got the Peloton here in the, in the office, but it's, uh, it is, it, it is an amazing environment. It's, it's like, right. it's, I, I find it to be very inspiring. Right. It's just, it's, it's going to meet you where you're at. It's yeah. going to celebrate people. Yeah, I, I agree. That. I agree. Well, it's been awesome having you. Courtney Thanks. Berg, the executive director of Girls in the Run. Thanks for being here, Jill. Thank you for uh, introducing us. And uh, it's awesome. You're inspiring me right here, as we said here, of everything you guys are doing. So congrats and thanks Thank for uh, making the world a better place. Thank you. Thank you. 
Tune in next week for another episode of The Circuit of Success with Brett Gilliland on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and through our website, circuitofsuccess.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and email any questions to info at circuitofsuccess.com. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm.